And obviously you want to take the temperature of the person because some people will be more defensive than others. Some people will take things harder than others. And so for people who take it really hard, you know, you can work with them to understand like, hey, I believe in you. I think you can do better. Welcome to the Creating High Performing Teams podcast. Our goal is to be the most actionable podcast on leadership and management you ever heard. We want you to walk away knowing exactly what you can do to be a better manager every time you listen. I'm your host, Jason Evanish, the CEO of Lighthouse. Today, we've got a special episode for you. It's one of our most actionable episodes. We're focusing on how to give feedback to your team because there's nothing more important as a manager than identifying an issue and helping your team member to improve and get better. It certainly beats the alternative of somebody not working out simply because you couldn't help them improve. And the way that we're doing that today is a simple three-step model. Uh, This model is one that I've used in my career many times and we've seen help many others. And so we wanna teach it to you as well so you can start using it. And it's very simple, it's three words. It is prepare, listen, and act. Prepare means that you should be bringing examples and getting very specific to identify the patterns that people need to work on to improve and why this issue matters. Listen then is actually about hearing their side of the story. We'll get into this a little bit more in the episode, but it's all about how you can hear their side of the story to make sure you're not missing something and that you give them the most effective feedback, not just what you were thinking of. And then Third is act. This is the most important one. If you have a great conversation with them about a way that they need to improve, but you don't actually talk about the actions that you're both going to take to make sure they do them, then it's going to not really accomplish much of anything. It'll be a good conversation, but not lead to change. And so today we're going to talk about the prepare, listen, act model. And I have a special guest today. Luca from our marketing team is going to be representing the voice of the manager like yourself and common questions we know managers have asked us before. So Luca is going to be interviewing me as we talk about how you can actually apply this model. So Luca, thank you for joining us today. Yep. Glad to be here. So, Luca, let's kind of dive in. What kind of questions do you think managers might have about trying to apply this model? Before we dive into how you would prepare for giving feedback, I just wanted to ask you, like, how would you define giving feedback successfully? That's a great question. I think it would be that the team member understands the feedback and the reasoning for why you're giving it. Why is this feedback important enough that you've taken the time to do all this preparation? And so that they understand both the meaning of it and the reason and the, the importance of it. And then, of course, the second part, which we talked about the last step of prepare, listen, act, is that they follow through and change. Because if they don't change, either your team is going to continue to suffer or you have to have a much more uncomfortable conversation about them maybe leaving the job that they have with you. So the two most important things to have successful feedback is that they understand it and then they act on it. So I wanted to ask you about essentially how often should I give feedback to my team? You should do it as often as you need to. I think... What you're looking for is in the prepare step, what you're really trying to do is understand what's going on at a high level. So rather than necessarily focusing on one individual thing, hey, you had a lot of typos in in this email you sent. Instead, what you're doing is you're looking for patterns across their work, say, for the last month or two. And the idea there is that rather than inundating them with a, a lot of tiny issues, you're trying to find the larger pattern. Hey, your attention to detail isn't what it should be. And so what you want to do is... Every time you notice that there's this recurring pattern, you want to use this model to talk about these high-level issues so that you can try and fix a million small problems with one or two bits of higher-level feedback where then some of these smaller issues may be examples like, hey, you know what, you had a lot of typos in the email and I noticed this blog post that you did also had a number of issues where the, the formatting was just clearly off. I need you to 
you know, be better about checking things going forward before you ship them because the higher level issue is the problems that you have across them when you edit versus having them be an issue individually where you're calling out the typos. You're now calling out the attention to detail issue, which is a meta issue. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Like, what are some of the other reasons why you think giving feedback regularly is so important? Well, people want to know where they stand. They want to know how they're how they're doing and how they're performing. And certainly, no one wants to be surprised at performance review time that they're doing a bad job when they thought they were doing a good job. And the only way that people will know that they have stuff to work on is if you tell them. And so, both if they're doing a good job, you want to tell them and give praise. But if there's problems and there's problems brewing, don't wait for their performance reviews. In fact, I forget who the leader was, but someone famously said, you know, nothing in a performance review should be a surprise. And if that's going to be the case, you have to give that feedback over time, progressively, repeatedly throughout the year, not just wait and save it all up to the end and then blindside them. Got it. Yeah. Sounds like this is a long-term strategy, meaning you probably have to set aside a lot of time for preparing. Um, Is that true? I think that if someone has a significant problem, then yeah, you may want to prepare more. But the hope is, again, the reason the prepare step and the prepare, listen, act model is all about finding patterns. That's the goal is you want to find the meta issue instead of it being an individual thing. You're looking at saying, what is the master larger issue here where if we solve that, a lot of other issues go away. Like say, you know, the example I was giving where maybe someone's lacking attention to detail, that could manifest in typos, in formatting issues, in in structural issues, in how they communicate. It could hit on a lot of different things where if you're able to actually identify the pattern though, you can treat the root cause. And so Basically, you invest a little bit of time now to reflect on the issues, collect a lot of them, and identify the pattern because then you're more likely to solve a whole bunch of issues rather than it feeling like whack-a-mole where you're like, man, we fixed this type of issue last week. Now I have to fix this formatting issue this week, and now we have this other issue. And if they're all related to attention to detail, then the best thing you can do is coach them on the attention to detail issue. So. Yeah, it can take you some time to prepare this if you haven't done it in a while. But that 30 minutes of thinking about the performance and finding the patterns of what skills and values you may need to work with them on are going to pay massive dividends later because it's going to fix a lot of downstream issues that you would have to fix individually that would really add up. Got it. And uh, what questions can I anticipate from my team after I give them feedback? That's a really good thought that a lot of managers don't plan for that I think you absolutely can. So... When I've given feedback every single time, literally every time, the very first question they have is, can you give me an example of this? And so this is why the prepare step is so important. Knowing that they're going to ask you for an example is why you want to prepare ahead of time because not only are you doing it for your own sanity to try and find the patterns, but you're also preparing those examples then so that when they do ask, it's like, hey, remember that email we sent last week? Yeah, you know, there were like three misspellings in it and we had a bunch of customers reply to us like calling it out. Or, hey, you know, there was this blog post that shipped and it had uh, a bunch of issues with it. And, you know, here's what the issues were. Do you remember this? Like having those examples ready is the first thing they're going to ask you. And so by preparing for those, you can anticipate that question, which happens almost every single time. Other questions then you can expect are things like, well, why is this important? Like, isn't that that's not a big deal, is it? Well, if you're taking the time to go through this model, you should be tackling the biggest and most important issues that people have. Being able to convey to them why it's important is something either you should bring up up front 
or have ready to explain them. Hey, you know, we can see the conversion rate is lower when we have these kind of typos or, hey, this affects our brand. And, you know, downstream that affects what we're able to charge for products because people assume that we would then sell products to have the same issues. Another question you can also then expect to hear are things like, am I in trouble? Are you firing me? People can get very defensive and obviously worry about it. Certainly, you know, when we're in a situation with economic uncertainty, I think that there's a big issue with people certainly being afraid of losing their jobs and and what that might mean for them. And so you want to convey what the severity is. If this is something that could cause them to lose their job, then you should be upfront with them saying, hey, uh, you're not at that point right now, but if this continues, you know, you could be. And so we need to uh, address that elephant in the room. Also, obviously, if you work at a company with an HR department, you should consult them on what a performance improvement plan looks like if that's what you're getting close to needing to do. There's usually some legal rules on that, and it varies by country and state and jurisdiction you're in. So certainly check with those on the legal team in your company if you're at the point where you're thinking about letting someone go. But this kind of model is actually a really good precursor to that. The first question HR is going to ask you if you think about having someone leave your team and letting them go is going to be, what conversations have you had? This sort of preparation is a really important step with that, whether you end up having a separate process that they're going to instruct you to follow, or by documenting this, it's actually the first step towards that improvement. But for the team member, you also want to be upfront and transparent with them if this is a job-threatening issue, or this is a, hey, you know what, we need to get better at this, and it's important to us because it's part of our values and it's part of our brand, versus, hey you know, we might let you go if this doesn't get better. You should tell them the gravity of it because it will change how they feel about it. And it's only fair to them to let them know where you stand. And then, of course, the last question you may hear is another another version of that, which is why does this matter? So be prepared to provide examples, convey the importance of it and let them know if this is, you know, a fireable offense or this is just, hey, we, we need to improve. You know, this is taking us from mediocre to great. Yeah, that all sounds awesome. Do you have any other tips for making feedback more effective? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get to the next section, but you know, one of the most important things you can do is listen to their side. You'll often find that especially an employee who was previously doing well that is now not doing so well, that the reason why they may be slipping is a greater issue that you may want to fix. So for instance, I had a team member once where they had done a terrible job hiring. Like they had hired someone that was just awful. They were literally nothing but problems for two weeks until we let them go. And I couldn't believe that someone that was that bad made it through our hiring process. And so I had prepared all kinds of feedback on how it seemed like, you know, that person was a disaster and that we needed to take a hard look at our hiring process and fix that. Well, it turns out when I met with them to provide this feedback, they instead confided in me that They were completely overwhelmed and felt overworked and underwater and they had too much on their plate. And so they actually, without me even bringing it up, said, hey, I know I didn't do a good job hiring that person. We need to do better. And so the whole conversation shifted from spending a lot of time on how we do recruiting to instead talking about how to better manage their workload and get some things off their plate. And wouldn't you know, by getting a few things off their plate and, you know, de-scoping some of their work, they were able to hire a much better replacement after that. But that only happened because I took the time to listen to them and hear how they were doing first. That's one important way to make feedback more effective. Other things you can do is really, really spend time on preparation. I would say, especially the first time you try this model, don't be afraid to go overkill. Because once you see how the conversation goes with a little bit of preparation and asking the right questions, you're going to be in a very good spot 
to have a great conversation with them that's effective. And then you can start to learn over time how much you actually need to prepare. So, you know, maybe you prepare 10 examples and it turns out you only need three to four. Well, great. Now going forward, you know, maybe you prepare five and choose the best three. Um, but you'll learn over time how to cut that back. And so you'll just want to make sure that you, especially as you start out trying this, that you prepare as best you can because you don't want to be caught flat-footed and then have this conversation bleed into, oh man, we're going to have to talk about this more in a week because I need more time to think about it. And then the third way to make these more effective is really just making sure that you put this all in writing. So you may want to send a follow-up email after the meeting to really crystallize the most important points um, and make sure they get back on track. And as well, really emphasize the actions you want them to take. And again, we'll get into that more in a second. But I think if you want the feedback to be effective, you really need to think hard about each of these steps we're talking about. And now, one of the biggest fears or concerns I have about giving feedback is turning it into a one-way conversation. How do I avoid that? And how do I spark meaningful discussions with my team members? Yeah, so I think that's why we talk about listen is the first step in the actual meeting. You want to hear from their side first so you can open up with them about how they're doing lately, how they're feeling, how are their energy levels. You might want to ask them things about how they feel their workload is right now. All those sorts of things are trying to get their perspective, get them talking before you start sharing your feedback. So I think it's important to proactively ask them questions. But then as you start to get into the feedback, you want to help them see the big picture. So start with the themes and then get into more specific details about what those issues are and how they impact the team or, or you or the company or the customer. And then you want to ask them to kind of practice active listening. And so what active listening is all about is making sure that you, you hear the other person. And so that means ideally, at the least, they should be repeating to you back exactly verbatim, word for word, what you said. But ideally, they should be repackaging it in their own words to make sure they truly understand it. And so what you can do is say, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? If they say yes, it's like, great, cool. Well, how would you describe back to me what we just talked about or what I said the issue was? I want to make sure you understand it. And then you're listening really carefully to how they describe it back to you. And if they missed anything that you think is really important, now you bring it back up and clarify for them. And then the last one is just to ask questions to make sure they understand and to see their perspective. And so that means like, hey, you know, do you understand like how this affects it? You know, where else do you think maybe this could be an issue or you could apply this? And just seeing what they say to see if they're starting to get the gears turning in their head to really understand what you're trying to get at. Yeah, interesting. Now you've brought up asking questions. How can I ask my team members questions without making them defensive? Because I always feel like that's my number one concern when giving feedback. Yeah. So again, I think it comes back to if you listen to them first, just checking in how they're doing and asking a few ways to make sure things are okay in their personal and professional life that may be affecting their performance. I think it's making sure they know that it's not you are bad. It's that these issues we need to fix. And so it's not you're terrible. It's these issues are affecting us and I know you can do better. And so you like I like what Dale Carnegie says, which is give people a healthy reputation to live up to. You say, hey, I know, I know you can do better. You know, I know your stand, this isn't up to your standards, so let's get them up there. And like, you know, we know these are issues. And so by, by giving them that kind of example to live up to, I think that will help. And I think also just making sure you, you don't make it personal. It's about, it's about the work can be better. It's not that they uh, are, are the issue themselves. 
And obviously you want to take the temperature of the person because some people will be more defensive than others. Some people will take things harder than others. And so for people who take it really hard, you know, you can work with them to understand like, hey, I believe in you. I think you can do better. And, you know, give them praise when you see them starting to improve on those things. And maybe for someone who's on a little more denial, you can be a little more specific on the importance of it. But it's all about kind of learning to turn those dials depending on how people react to it, having some examples ready for the person who doesn't totally understand it, emphasizing the importance to someone who's a little defensive. And for somebody who maybe it seems like it's really hurting their self-esteem, help them understand that, hey, this isn't about you. This is about some some of the actions that you're taking. Let's talk about different actions that will get you back up to the standard we know you can live by. Got it. And moving on to probably the most important part of your prepare, listen, act, model, act, what can I do after giving feedback to make sure my team follow through on my words? Um, and how can I avoid my words being taken ambiguously? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the most important thing you can do is write this all down. You need a record, not just for the sake of HR demanding it. If you want to let someone go, they need a paper trail that you've tried to improve them. But you also need to have that record for you and them so you can see, hey, you know what? Two weeks ago, we talked about this. And you got better. Or you know what? Two weeks ago, we talked about this and you haven't done anything yet. This is serious. You need to change. Either way, writing it down gives you that record. I highly recommend that in addition to writing it down in your notes, that you send a follow-up email to them saying, hey, we talked about X, Y, and Z. This is what we agreed upon. And this is what we're going to do because you want to check back in. Like The best time to give all this feedback is in your one-on-one. Why? Because it's private. It's their meeting. It's all about them. So it gives you this structure and this healthy amount of time because it should be 30 to 60 minutes for you to really dig into these issues and really, really get an understanding of kind of where they're at and help them potentially improve. And what's great is if you do do it in a one-on-one, well, you're going to take notes in the one-on-one. You're going to prepare for your one-on-one. This all kind of fits right into it and then fits in that timeline. And it sets the expectation that, hey, when we have our next one-on-one, which is someone has a performance issue, you should be meeting with them weekly. Even if you have a really big team and everybody else you meet with once a month, while someone's in a performance improvement situation, whether it's a formal, formal PIP, for uh, HR or it's just your own internal thing you're trying to work with them on, anyone that you have to really focus on their performance, you should be meeting with them once a week. So this way you have this conversation They you know, hey, hey, Tom, we're going to sit down and talk about this more next week and revisit this. This lights a fire under them that says, hey, I better act on this right away because I'm, I know someone's going to revisit it. And then by you having the notes and writing it down, they're going to have staring at them the actions they need to take and they're going to have they're going to know that you're going to have the ability to look back at your notes from the previous week to refresh your memory on what you already talked about. Because in my experience, this is going to go one of two ways. Either you check back in the one-on-one and they started doing better. They made an effort. They started taking the actions you recommended. And now you can praise them for their progress and you can follow up on how they did and like, hey, that was pretty good. I think we're like 80% there. The last 20% is X. Or instead, you're going to say, Hey, Tom. Hey, Tina. We talked about this and nothing changed. In fact, the issue happened again this week. What's going on? How can I help you? We really need this to get better. And then you can basically build on the discussion of either saying, hey, why aren't things changing? How can we work together? What can I do to help you change? 
or you're building that momentum train. If you're getting better week after week, your action items for each one-on-one are better and better. And next thing you know, their performance is much improved. You know, we've seen this model used with people where they've literally taken underperformers and turned them around so well that a year later they're promoting them. So this model can really help, but only if you make sure that in that final step, you're writing it down, you're setting up a follow-up, and you're checking back in next time. By doing that, you're really reinforcing this as many ways as possible, and it really taps into the power of repetition, which shows that managers that are deliberately redundant have much better outcomes. This is really useful. Is there anything else that I need to know about feedback? There's... (laughs) there's plenty of different approaches for different situations that that you can use to get feedback. There's actually a whole bunch of different models we've written about over the years on the Lighthouse blog. So we're going to include a whole bunch of further reading links so you can learn about different models. But this is a very powerful model, especially as many of you are writing performance reviews in the new year or whatever time of year you're listening to this. This is a perfect model for you to think about how you can improve performance throughout the year and when you have a significant issue to work on with someone. When there are other issues that maybe you need to give feedback in the moment in the middle of a meeting or you are thinking about creative ways to just talk about how people can improve themselves in general, there are lots of different ways to do that. So we're going to include those in further reading and maybe if this episode's popular, we'll do a follow-up episode on a different method. But this is one contained method across many approaches. So we're giving you one tool for your tool belt today and there are many others we'll include in further reading that we hope you'll check out. Luca, was there anything else you wanted to ask today or any other questions that came to mind you think we should uh, we should discuss on this specific model of giving feedback? No, I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered everything. Awesome. Well, Luca, thanks for joining me today. This has been an awesome episode of Creating High-Performing Teams, and we'll be back soon with more great episodes to help you learn how to be a better manager. We hope you uh, take these actions today of preparing for your discussion, listening to your team's side of the story, and then making sure that you follow through and make sure there's clear actions in writing that you follow up on with your team. That prepare, listen, act model, I think, will make a big difference for you as a manager. So we hope as you take your earbuds out and move on with your day that you think about applying these. So thanks for joining us.